0: I'm going to, uh, to pray as we go into this, this passage, but just one further little announcement, that's just to uh, say, Susan, um, I'm not going to call you up, but uh, due to COVID shenanigans, um, Dirk is unable to get here to Australia, and uh, Susan Bucker will be heading off to Pakistan a week tomorrow. So there's been a lot of changes and upheaval and, and being unsettled in, in that whole space. So can I just encourage you after the service just to connect with uh, Susan and give her a hug and tell her you love her. And, uh, and, um, and she heads back to be with, uh, with Dirk in, uh, in this difficult time. And many others find themselves in a very similar position and our missionaries as well. So let me pray. Father, I just want to commit Susan and Dirk to you. We thank you for them. We thank you that um, we're in partnership with them as they seek to take the gospel beyond our shores, even into a place like Pakistan. Father, in this time of upheaval and being unsettled and being away from each other for so many months and Hoping to be together here in Australia, that's now changed. And Susan heading back to Pakistan. I pray that He would just—you—you uh, you have already gone before. You have prepared the way. Please may you just give them a peace that passes understanding. May you give to both of them a knowledge of your love that surpasses human intellect, and that they are in the very centre of your will. That you are sovereign over all things, even COVID. And uh, commit them to you in this next week as uh, things go forward and father we know how easily things can change uh, at the last minute but uh, your sovereign power is complete and never changes and uh, father as I look into this word on marriage and husband loving their wives and wives submitting would you please help me to bring your word faithfully to the hearts of your people And the hearts of your people would be receptive, open, soft to hearing and obeying and submitting themselves ultimately to you. For Jesus' sake. Amen. There's a title for you, the, uh, the perfect marriage. Or none, as the case may be. Most of us who are married, or were married, started off with the grandiose deception that our marriage would be the perfect marriage. Amen? We started off with that grand deception that our marriage would be different to any other, and it would be perfect. But many of us have discovered that our marriage can resemble the perfect murder. Marriage can often be the place where more hating and hurting goes on than in any other relationship. Maybe your marriage is or was the perfect murder. It's an extraordinarily painful thing to realize that so often we treat our friends, our colleagues, our bosses, our neighbors better than we treat our spouses. How very sad to realize that sometimes we love our pets. More than we love our spouses. The person that we promised to love until death do us part can become a person that we utterly despise with contempt. I used to think that preaching on passages like Revelation were the most challenging. I don't think there is a more challenging passage than husbands loving their wives and wives submitting. To their husbands. It is one of the most daunting passages, and I'm going to give you three reasons why. Here's the first one it is daunting because I'm acutely aware of how much I fail in my own marriage. I am a flawed husband. And when I read things like, Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church, it feels like it's something of a stake within my heart. Just how sinful I am is reflected in how poorly I love my wife. Secondly, it's daunting because there are a number of you wives here today where this concept of submission has been so twisted and manipulated by your husbands that even just to hear the word submission... And your stomach starts to churn, and you could be a wife here this morning that wants to run out of here as quickly as possible. Could I ask you, please, not to run just yet? A third reason why this passage is so daunting is because it is so countercultural, it is so against absolutely anything in society. Husband as head wife as submissive. Verse 31, for this reason a man will leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Just about everything in that statement flies in the face of society. It is now de facto living that has taken the flavor of the day. We no longer introduce our our, our, our wives as this is my wife or this is my husband, this is my partner. Society has not just accepted homosexuality, but embraced same-sex marriage. Gender equality, which is so important, has all but blurred the lines between any role distinction between a man and a woman or a husband and a wife. If we go into things like transgender, well, that's just taken things into a whole new realm, hasn't it? We haven't even begun to get our head around what that means for marriage. And with all these things, something's happened. Something's happened in the evangelical church. And I would say it's probably happened in this very church. And I think a woman by the name of Claire Smith from her wonderful book, Good, uh, God's Good Design. This is, let me just quote what she says. Here's what's happened. In our evangelical culture, many of us have settled for marriages that believe in headship and submission in principle but have nothing like it in practice. We have reduced headship and submission to attitudes that have no tangible expression. We give lip service to the biblical model, but our patterns of relating are so ingrained and so influenced by our secular authority-hating culture, and the pressures of marriage and family life are so great that it's all too hot, especially when our marriage is stable and we dare not rock the boat end quote. But however daunting this passage is, and these concepts are, and these things that come to us from God's Word, we need to deal with it. And I want to start exactly where the passage begins, and that is with wives submitting to their husbands. Wives submit to to their husbands. So have a look at it in verse 22 to 24. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, the way I want to do this this morning is I want to take this of wives submitting to husbands. I want to break it down into four very simple headings, and then I will do the very same thing with with husbands loving their wives and then we'll tie the knot up at the end. So here's the uh, here's a definition that we need to look at: wives submit to their husbands. A definition. And as I was looking around and reading and thinking, and I, I think this is pro- probably probably one of the best definitions on submission that I came across from a guy called John Stott. And here's what he said. He said, Submission is the humble recognition of divine ordering. It is the humble recognition of divine ordering. So a wife's submission to her husband is the recognition of the God-given role to him as head. And therefore, it's a Christian wife that willingly places herself... Under that headship, and that's what the word submission means. It simply means to come under, to place oneself humbly under another. I really appreciated uh, reading uh, Keller's book on uh, on on marriage and and his wife who had a part to play in writing that book, Kathy Keller here's two things that she said. She said, understanding that submission to my role was neither demeaning nor dangerous for me was a big step for me. And then she went on to say, I discovered that my submission in my marriage was a gift I offered, not something that was coerced from me, end quote. So there's a definition for you of a humble recognition of the divine ordering. Secondly, let me give you a context. Let me give you the context of submission. And if you've got your Bible, just look back into chapter 5 and verse 1, which is where the context of the passage is. Notice Paul says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Now, it might be an extraordinary thing for you to realize this morning that being submissive is not just doing something that God has said that you do, but submission is imitating God. It is doing something that God himself does. Be an imitator of God. Follow God's example because God has done the same thing. Let me show you what I mean. If you went across to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3 Paul writes but I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ the head of the woman is man and the head of Christ is God you see it even the Lord Jesus Christ himself within the triune relationship of father son and spirit the son is submissive to the father Jesus is not different in essence or value or worth from the Father. He is not inferior to the Father. He is the beloved Son of the Father in whom the Father is so well pleased. And so what we see that is a wife's submission is an imitation of her Lord. It's an imitation of the relationship between the Lord Jesus to the Father. A woman is in no way or a wife is in no way inferior to the husband. She is not less than. She has been made in the image of God. And by faith in Christ, she's been recreated into the image of her Savior. And so a a wife seeks to be submissive to her husband, coming under his headship in a manner as the son is submissive to the father. And keep looking at chapter 5 and uh, verse 1. And notice it says, be imitators of God and live a life of love. And this might too be extraordinary. To be submissive is to live a life of love. When we submit to people that have been placed over us, it's a life of love. When you submit to the governing authorities God has placed over you, it's loving. When a wife submits to her husband, it is a life of love. Children obeying their parents, chapter 6, verse 1, is loving. Slaves obeying their earthly masters, 6, 5, is loving. When we submit to one another, chapter 5, verse 21, it is loving. Hebrews thirteen seventeen: obey your church leaders and submit to their authority. That is an act of love. So let me define, just tweak that definition of a wife's submission like this. A wife's submission is the loving, humble recognition of her husband's God-ordained role as head. There is a definition, there is a context. Now let's go to the third aspect, which is the model. What is the model? And we've touched on it. Already, So have a look at it in verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. The biblical logic goes like this. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And so the wife is to submit to her husband as the church submits to Christ. What Paul is saying very simply but profoundly is that Christian marriage is to be modelled on Christ and his church. The wife is to be like the church, submissive. The husband is to be like Christ, loving. We'll get to that in a moment. The two are parallel. And when you run them in parallel, the wife's response to the headship of the husband is to be the same as the church's response to Christ. Again, she is to willingly submit herself, recognizing that God-given authority. Now, I understand that for many married Separated, divorced, even widowed woman sitting here this morning, as you hear that, there could be certain flares going off in your heart. There could be something of a cultural flare going off, like, who submits so to anyone these days? I mean, and let alone in everything. I mean, after all, we are the most enlightened human era, aren't we? We, we? we are the most self-determining, autonomous individuals. But some of the flares could really be hurt flares. Because some of you women here, wives here, you, you, you've either been explicitly or implicitly uh, uh, hurt by, by husbands that, that have taken this concept of submission to hurt you. I know many women who groan under the teaching that, that submission is model of Christ to the church, and, 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 I, and I hear that, and God hears that, and God hears those cries and those groans, but, but wives, we, we need to hear God's voice. We need to hear what he says to us, and, and wives are to willingly recognize and accept their husband's headship in everything you've got the text open in front of you do you notice men and women and husbands and wives wives can you see that Paul doesn't go into a long list of rules and regulations about what that submission looks like isn't that what we would like see sort of questions that may come to mind wives want to know well what exactly does that submission look like does that mean I can't correct my husband does that mean I can't earn more than he earns Does that mean that a stronger spiritual woman cannot marry a weaker uh, spiritual man? those, Those are just not the questions that Paul answers. They're not on the radar. In fact, you can't go anywhere in the Bible to get those answers in that way. Each and every one of us is unique. Each and every marriage is unique. It's got a unique DNA. It's got a unique fingerprint, if, if you will. Each marriage has got strengths and weaknesses. Each marriage goes through different trials and tribulations, different challenges, different seasons of demands and stresses. And so it's, it's going to look a little different in each and every circumstance. You've got to, husbands and wives, you've got to work out what that means in your context. Do you remember those words from Paul in Philippians where he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Christian wife, work out your submission with fear and trembling, with wisdom, discernment. Let me put it like this. A wife's submission is an expression of her obedience to Christ. Did you hear that? A wife's submission is an expression of her obedience to Christ. Her her submission is in keeping with her submission to Christ. And what that means, that is if if a wife chooses to continually disregard or disobey this command, then her willingness to submit in all areas is undermined. A Christian wife is called to submit herself to her husband voluntarily, willingly, deliberately, joyfully, wholeheartedly, thoughtfully, with wisdom and discernment. And as you looked at those verses in verse twenty two to twenty four, it also said that the wife needs to submit in what? In everything. What that means is that there are no go zones when it comes to submission. In the same way, there are no go zones. There's no no go zones in in, in our submission as the church to Christ. So a wife is to be submissive in everything. Again, willingly, voluntarily, humbly, graciously recognizing a God-given role to her husband so you've got a definition and you've got a context you've got a model but there is a fourth aspect and it's very important to understand that there is a limit there is a limit notice in verse 22 that it says submission is as to the what as to the lord What it means is that that when, when a husband's headship is being expressed in a way that is in conflict with obedience to Christ, it is Christ who wins every time. If a, if, a, uh, if a husband wants his wife to join him in sinning, she is not to follow, whatever that is. If a husband wants her, his wife to be sexually immoral, or lie, or cheat on the taxes, uh, uh, to, to somehow neglect the children, abuse the children, her, her first duty is always to Christ and his righteousness. A wife is not called to submit to a husband who expects, demands, manipulates her to do things in the bedroom which are degrading or uncomfortable. If a husband asks his wife, either in part or the whole, to to walk away from Christ, she cannot do. She is therefore to submit herself to her eternal groom, not her earthly one. A wife is not called to submit to an abusive husband. A definition, a context, a model, and a limit. Let's do the same for husbands to love their wives. Here's the best definition of headship you'll ever get, Men amen i've got one amen that's okay it's a start headship is a leadership of love you see there are some men and i'm talking christian men as well that they hear that they've got this god-ordained role to be the head of their wife and they get some sort of power ego trip where they're just the boss in charge headship is a call to love it's not a call to rule You notice in verse 25, it says, husbands love your wives, just in case you missed it the first time, verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives, in case you missed it there, verse 33, however, each of you must also love his wife. For a husband to be the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church, means to sacrificially love her. It means to count her needs more important than one's own. headship is not ruling. It is not dominating. It is not manipulating. It is loving. It's loving. There's the definition. It's a leadership of love. If you want to be a leader, husband, then love your wife. Look at the context back into chapter 5 and verse one and two. Follow God's example. There it is again. Remember, we're going back to the context. Uh, therefore, as dearly love children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, let me say this. Of course, Christ, as the head of his church, carries authority. Of course, it does. All positions. All all, all positions of headship carry authority. They all do. A principal carries authority. Teachers, parents, prime ministers, police, bosses. Jesus Christ, as head of his church, carries all authority over uh, over, over his body. But notice again that the headship is a life of love. This headship is to be modeled, and we'll come to it in just a moment, it is to be modeled on Christ loving us as he's laid down his life at the cross. So have a look at it a little bit further as we go into the model. Look how Paul unpacks this, this, this model of headship, this leadership of, of love. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Let me just see if I've got verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. There it is again. This love is a, it's a sacrificial love. It's a laying down sort of love. When a, when a man loves his, his wife sacrificially, it, it means that he will deny himself. It means that he will exalt the needs of his wife above his own. It's a a sacrificial love. But notice verse 26 and 27. It's also a a purifying love. Now, Paul uses the model here of of Christ in the church again. Listen to what he says. He says, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. In other words, this what this, as we model ourselves on Christ and his church, our love for our wives is not just to be sacrificial, but it's to be a purifying kind of love. What that means is that our husbands, the way we love our wives, is we want to promote their godliness and to promote their growth in Christ. If we are spirit, Filled husbands, we want to do everything within our power to see a greater holiness and godliness come through our wives. We don't want to lead our wives into sin. We want to see them growing and walking before the Lord in greater intimacy and obedience. What that means, husbands, is that you do not expose your wife to anything that is sick and sinful and vile Whether it be theological, whether it be doctrinal, whether it be spiritual, whether it be moral. Maybe to put it this way, as husbands, we are our wives' purity protectors. We protect the purity. We don't enhance godliness, ungodliness. But have a look now at verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Verse Down in verse 31, it says, A Man will leave his mother and father, be united to his wife, and the two become one flesh. They become, if you want to, it's one entity. It's one, one body. In other words, the, the two or no can't be separated, and, and the welfare of the one is wrapped up in the welfare of the other. Which means this, it means when when a husband treats his wife poorly, when he treats his wife abusively, when he treats his wife shamefully, that's the way he's treating himself. To treat your wife in that way is to treat yourself that way. If you hate your wife, you're hating yourself. If you treat your wife shamefully, you're treating yourself shamefully. Because there is such an incredible spiritual dynamic where the two become one flesh. The interests of the one simply cannot be separated from the other. And so, what I want you to see is that that when it comes to loving our wives, the model is Christ and his church, and, 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 and ladies, that's the model that the husband is to have. It doesn't come from romantic movies and books. It doesn't come from trying to compare yourself to someone else's husband. It doesn't come from trying to leave one of those how-to-improve-your-marriage books strategically placed around the house. Headship is established through selfless love. Where Christ gave himself up for his body, his bride, the church. What Paul is saying here is that as Christ nourishes, feeds, protects, nurtures, cares, loves his church, so, husband, you protect, you feed, you nurture, you cherish, you love your wife. And then, just one little further aspect on that if you go down to verse 33, it's an. It's, it's there's a beautiful little tweak here from the Apostle Paul. He says, however, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Now, look at the verse carefully. I want you to see what Paul has done. You know what the two greatest commandments are, don't you? Love God and love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. What's Paul done in the verse? He's just tweaked it slightly, hasn't he? Love God and what? Love your wife as yourself. In other words, again, Paul is saying that as the two become one flesh, husband to love yourself, to love your wife is to love yourself. Loving your wife is the most intimate expression of loving your neighbor because a man's wife is not just his closest neighbor, but his one flesh. You get it? Your closest neighbor, husband, is your wife, who is your flesh. But as with uh, wives submitting to their husband, there's a limit. There's a limit. I want you to see it. If you've got the passage, just have a look at this with me. Notice that Paul in the passage, he's... He, he does not speak to the husbands about the wives' behavior. He speaks to the wives about their behavior, and he speaks to the husbands about their behavior. He doesn't tell, he, he doesn't tell husbands to make their wives submit, but he tells wives how they should relate to their husbands. And, and, and this is very, very important. Husbands and wives are answerable for their own conduct. There is no sense in this passage, there's no sense anywhere in the Bible that, that you've got husband and wife that are, they're trying to coerce, they're trying to manipulate, they're trying to force compliance out of each other. It is simply downright horrific that men, even Christian men, would, 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 would take this verse and abuse it in order to force their wives to submit. And just take notice as well, it says wives are called to submit to their husbands. You see that? A Christian wife is not submissive to any other man, to their own husband. Some um, some husbands, again, even those in claiming to be Christian, they... They exercise their their headship in a way that is crushing and destructive, and that abuse can be expressed physically, emotionally, verbally, spiritually, financially. Christ came to overthrow that tyrannical rule. That is not biblical headship, that is abuse. So let me uh, finish with this. Tying the knot. There is no married couple here, either previously married or currently married, there's no married couple here that could ever have imagined that marriage would be as hard as what it is, right? I have been married for 21 years to a wonderful woman. But Christ-like submission and Christ-like headship, they are at odds with culture and they are at odds with the flesh, with the old self, with the old me. Here's how Claire Smith put it again in her wonderful book. She said, Ever since the fall of Genesis 3, a wife's desire has been to control her husband, and each wife has her own signature way of doing that. Ever since the fall, husbands have been abusing their authority, either by being harsh and self centered, or by selfishly disengaging and abdicating authority, leaving a void to be filled by his wife and children. End quote. What I'm putting before you this morning, there is no marriage here that would be exempt from the effort and the hard work that is needed and the grace that is required to follow Christ. And I would say to you this morning that if you are here as, as, a, as a, a, a Christian spouse married to a non-Christian spouse then the challenges are even greater if you are separated or if you are divorced because of an abusive marriage i do know that the pain for you is very very sore and sometimes in times like that the only thing that will console and comfort and bring the healing balm are these words from revelation 19 verse 7 where he says let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready to those of you that are suffering abusive marriages i say to you that jesus christ is your bridegroom the wedding feast has been prepared in fact there is a perfect wedding that's coming there is a perfect marriage in store he loves you he loves you and he's coming for you all I can do this morning is I can say to you husbands and wives of Christ what I can ask you, as I do with my own heart, is to bring it to the Lord. I want to examine myself. Is there unchrist like headship functioning, flourishing in my life, in my marriage? Is there unchrist like headship? All I can do is that in you? Is that in your heart? Then bring it to the Lord in repentance, bring it to Him. Talk to him about it. Pray to him. Ask him for forgiveness. Ask him for his grace. Ask him for his mercy. Ask him for the power of the Spirit for change. Christian wives, is there an unchrist like submission? in your heart, in your life, in your marriage, again, all I can ask you to do is that you would bring that to the Lord in repentance. Would you ask him to search your heart? Would you ask him to soften you? And, and perhaps there's, there's, there's come a real hardness, doesn't it? There's a hardness that comes after you've been so hurt and so abused. There comes this hardness and asking him, asking the Lord by his spirit to, 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 to soften again. And to bring about the changes, I want to say to any here this morning that may be in an abusive relationship, and that that can be that can be men as well as as women. If you're in a, an abusive relationship, an abusive marriage of some sort, I I want to ask you to really have the courage to come and speak to one of the leaders, come and speak to one of the elders, or speak to one of the elders' wives. As I say that to you, you know it is so so hard. It's so, so hard and I, and I understand. I understand some of the risks. I understand how some of the danger that, that, that could even put you in and, and I get it. But I do want to encourage you to have the courage to speak if you need to speak. We're here for you and I don't mean to do that in any sort of public way after the service. Maybe you just need to give us a call or But I want to say this as well as we close. Despite the way this passage is often abused and exploited, despite the fact that we may have had some horrific experiences in past marriages, maybe even in the present ones, this is the obedience to which the father calls his sons and daughters. Husband, love your wife. Wife, submit to your husband. They are fundamentally attitudes of the heart. They have to be expressed. To go back to Claire Smith's comment, we can know it in our head theologically. We can know it written down. We can assent to it, believe it. We could, we could quote the verses. But they are fundamentally attitudes that need to be expressed and and our marriages should and will change as we put these things into practice. And to say it this way, it's not just about obedience. If you want something more than obedience as an incentive to love and to submit, remember this, that this is the best way that it operates. This is the way God has designed it. When we do things God's way, it's always better because this is God's design it's God's function it's God's good design for a husband to sacrificially love his wife and a wife to submit it, to willingly submit I'll just read this to you for a husband to sacrificially love his wife like Christ and for a wife to lovingly submit to her husband as to the Lord brings a joy and pleasure that selfish Self centered marriages can never bring. Let me put it this way to you. We reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. May this word of Christ dwell in you richly this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, I know there's there's, 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 there's certainly not a person that is untouched in some way by this. Whether by their own marriages, past, present, with other marriages that they're looking at growing up as children, looking into the marriages of their parents. Father, please would you humble us, humble us before you. Would there come a trembling at your word, that we would hide your word in our hearts, that we might not sin against you. Dear Father, by the power of your Spirit, as Christian husbands, we would seek to love our wives like Christ more and more. And wives like Christ, uh, like the church, would willingly submit to their husbands for the glory of your name, for the sake of the witness of the church in the world, for the sake of obedience. And for the sake of joy, for the sake of joy, Father, forgive us, Father, forgive us, in Jesus' name, Amen.